This is the EVP Podcast. If you don't know, now you know. It is the EVP Podcast Show. I'm one of the hosts, Ghosted. And I'm Beaker. That was actually really good. You like that? I like that. I just went on that on the fly. That's amazing. All right, let's save that. Okay. <laughs> What's up, guys? We are back with another one. Hey, we are. Thanks for everyone that listened to our last episode on graphology. Uh, we had a lot of positive feedback on that. We had a lot of people reach out to us saying that they need to schedule a session with Jeremy. It is pretty cool what he does. What's funny is <laughs> I actually, I got a story. Oh, did you? Yes. Oh. So I actually, I went to have some lunch with some friends on the Saturday after that episode aired. So okay. last Saturday. Okay. And we were at a park in Taylorsville and I live in not in taylorsville so i was i was coming home and i got to this point to where i could turn left to get on the freeway and it'd be quicker to go home or i could turn right and then take a detour and take a little bit longer to get home and as i'm going down this road i took the detour i didn't go straight home and i felt like i should stop into the conjuring tree and say hi i also felt like there was some crystals i needed for some reason so I, I get there and I see Jeremy's there. So I go and tell him, you know, hey, people love the episode. People loved what you did. Um, I told him how I had people hit me up that they wanted a reading. And he's like, that's funny that you say that because I have uh, one of your listeners are supposed to be here in about five minutes. <laughs> nice. And um, right after he said that, I turn around and in walks one of our listeners nice. who I didn't know was a listener. I actually met this person four years ago when I was on the other podcast. He was one of the listeners of that show. And before he went into his reading, tells me, hey, I've got a story for you. Do you mind sticking around? And I said, no, not at all. Despite the fact, and and if the Madsons listen to this, I'm sorry, but I probably ruined the food that you sent me home with um, because it was sitting in my hot car for two hours. (laughs) So I waited for him to get his reading done. He comes out and he tells me, Keep in mind, I've only met this gentleman once, um, but, and I hope I'm telling this correctly because now that I know he listens to the show, um, he tells me he has a story for me and he tells me that he, his life changed because of the conversation that him and I had. And here I am like, I don't know if this has ever happened to you before. It's just, it's just weird because for me anyways, uh, I don't know if weird's the right word, but it's just, it's not usual. When you have someone come and tell you that. Right. 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 So um, when I first met him, we were at the LDS temple. It was during Christmas time. Uh, It was 2019, right before the COVID. Mm -hmm. And I think it was one of the last times um, that the the church was doing the, the lights of the temple. And basically, for those of you outside of Utah, if you don't know, um, the Salt Lake City Temple, they put up all, all these like really amazing Christmas lights and everyone flocks to it every year to go see the Christmas lights. It's, it's, a, it's a really cool experience. So we were actually there um, in a big group full of listeners of the other show that I used to be on and, and that network that I was a part of. And this is where I met him and his mother had actually passed away about a month or so before this whole event went down. And I... In case I haven't mentioned it before, um, I kind of am an intuitive. Not kind of, I am. I'm an intuitive. And I just, sometimes I just know things. 
about people or I can sometimes know what spirits are nearby and what they're thinking. And so I do remember having this conversation with them and I remember kind of reconnecting with him with his mom and, you know, letting him know that she's still there. And apparently there's something I said that kind of, he said, set him on a path and it started out with, I guess, for about three weeks, he was really depressed and he didn't want to leave the house. Um, I guess he didn't have a really good relationship with his mom when she was still alive. And he has since then gone through, uh, he was, he decided to go to a therapist and an energy worker at the same time. And the more sessions he had with the energy worker, the less he started seeing the therapist. Uh, he found he was making more progress with the energy worker. It got to the point where he was actually able to let go of all that past trauma and reconcile his differences with his mom, which is really cool. Like, you know, I explained to him, I'm like, it's, it's really cool that, you know, even though that our loved ones have passed on, we can still make that connection. We can still reconcile things. You know, it's not just once someone's dead, they're gone and you, you can't like, yeah, there are certain things that you may wish you have said while they were still alive, but in certain circumstances, you can still talk to them, even though they passed on. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. Like, if, if we didn't believe spirits were real, we wouldn't have a paranormal podcast. <laughs> so he actually thanked me because uh, something I had said during our conversation had got him into looking into, you know, fixing things with his mom. And uh, I did tell him, like, you know, I been almost four years since i've seen him but his energy was completely different there was a huge shift like you could tell his energy was just a lot brighter than it was the last time i saw him so um i hope you don't mind me sharing the story like no one's gonna know who you are because (laughs) i didn't say a name or anything um but yeah i thought it was really cool it's just you know because of our our episode i was actually able to run into him that was like he cool. kept saying he, you know, he kept meaning to sit behind the keyboard and send me an email. I think it was actually a lot better for him to tell me in person because it's, you know, sometimes when you're sitting behind a keyboard or a computer, you don't get to convey exactly what it is that you're thinking or feeling. Right. So Things can get lost in translation just, as well. It was just certain things set it in a place where I was there at the same time he was. And the stars aligned. The, yes. The stars aligned at two in the afternoon. <laughs> and, uh, I thought it was really cool just, you know, making that whole complete circle, you know, talking to him four years ago, having Jeremy on and then getting people to go actually see Jeremy and then running into those people. Right. And and hearing their progression over the last four years. Nice. So, yeah, it was at at first I was a little confused because he and I told him this. um, He, uh, you know, he's like, you set me on this path to recovery and they told me how he was depressed for three weeks. And I was like, what did I do? <laughs> it was your fault. <laughs> but I just, I, that was a, I thought that was a cool story. I just wanted to share. Like, That was cool. That was a very cool episode too. I was. A lot of people loved it. Um, the, one of the people that had their sample submitted uh-huh. that he read on the show. Um, I was actually on discord with her last night talking to her as she watched her reading and she uh yeah she she was freaked out oh really with with how accurate he was (laughs) and her not even being there just based off the way just based off of her handwriting never met her doesn't even live in utah 
um th- this is actually the one from canada uh-huh um yeah she was kind of freaked out about how accurate he was uh just from her handwriting yeah so again um, some of the stuff he was saying about me again if you're interested in getting a reading with jeremy contact the conjuring tree uh the phone number is linked in our last episode or you can just go into theconjuringtree.com and schedule an appointment online or just walk in the shop or just walk in the shop and schedule an appointment but it's probably quicker if you just go online or call for sure yeah (laughs) (laughs) um oh also uh the uh, investigation that we had going on we uh, tease you. We said yeah. the Ritz was going to happen. And then... It did not. We are rescheduling for next month, September 30th. Um, there's still a few tickets left, actually, so hurry and get them right away, because they're almost gone. Yes. Uh, but yes, we are rescheduling for next month, September 30th, so The be stars there. did not align for us yesterday. But it's okay. It but, is A-okay, and everything's but, still happening. <clears throat> We also do have uh, another investigation coming up at Benson Grist Mill in October. I believe that's going to be on a Friday. I think it's like the 25th, 27th, most likely. Nope. Quack. Quack. Um, Yeah, I'll have to look it up the exact. (laughs) Okay. We'll we'll tell you next. That's a couple months away. It's a couple months away. But be on the lookout towards the end of October. We have a Benson Grist Mill investigation coming up as well. All right. In the Ritz Theater, Tooele, next month, September 30th. All right. So today's episode, we're going to New York. Why? Hudson Valley. Okay. There's an alien invasion happening. What? Alien invasion in Hudson Valley. Well, you know how we like those shock docs. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there was another one. Did you know that there's a lot more to this story than what we saw on the shock doc? Yeah. There's a whole other book. There's a whole other book. Apparently, people have been seeing UFOs in the Hudson Valley in New York for over, since over 100 years. Like I think the earliest reported sighting they said was in like 1919. Yeah. Um, before, well, yeah, before there was actually aircrafts flying, you know, commercially or flying at night. Yeah, it was, it was literally like a month, if not days after the Wright Brothers', the Wright Brothers first <laughs> flight. Yeah, so, I mean, there was nothing. There was sightings, so... And uh, they didn't fly at night. This is when the the first yeah, one was. They were just like kind of experimenting with these flights still. So yeah, yeah so they people doing it at night. people were recording these UFO sightings or UAPs. I <laughs> I don't understand. I'm calling them UFOs. Still. You, they're still UFOs. UAP sounds like some kind of a. a That's too close U- to WAP, and I don't want to say it. Well, I was going to say it sounds <laughs> more of like an EPA thing. <laughs> WAP. UAP. W- so, I'm going to end uh, up calling it WAP a yeah. WAP. Yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah. I think I said. I don't know if you did, but... It's too close to WAP. Yeah. So they're UFOs still. (laughs) UAPs, it's the same thing, just a different name for some reason. Apparently, unidentified flying objects wasn't good enough. I like that still, though. Although that's what it's been since, like, you know, the forever. Um, (laughs) But did you know there was a whole slew of stuff that happened in the 80s? Yeah, all, well, even in the 50s. And the 60s. Yeah, I, I'm, stop. There's I'm making shit, shit up. Really I don't know. But well, there, was, there was this, what are you saying? Well, I was going to say, let's go back to the 50s first. Let's do the 50s. So in the 50s, uh, there was a, a guy named Ripley Shriver who was abducted multiple times. And he's the one that wrote that book, Communion. Okay. So that's the Communion book. That's the one we got to look into more of. But he wrote that about all his different abduction stories. So what happened in the 60s, man? 
So, I don't know. Okay, well, we'll have, go. I was ahead just saying. I was just saying the '60s too because it sounded <laughs> groovy. It was, it was. I'm sure the '60s were groovy out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in the '80s, this actually happened over the course of like three years. I think it was like 1983 to 1986. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a book written on it. It's called The Night Siege, or just called Night Siege: The Hudson Valley UFO Sightings. Um, oh, so there's a whole other book besides the book I just talked yeah. about. What? So this is based on uh, they called the Hudson Flap. It like I said, it happened between 1983 and 1986. Um, during that time, the Hudson Valley sightings were it says a flap of UAP or UFO sightings uh, reported by hundreds of people in upstate New York and Connecticut. Uh, it was nicknamed the Westchester Boomerang, as it was described by most witnesses as huge hovering V-shaped series uh with series of flashing lights that connected by a dark craft so there's actually a ton of sightings the first one i just realized i screwed up something just now the the one thing that i just talked about the communion book by that guy that was also in the 80s the 50s was something else in the 50s the u.s air force opened an an investigation about ufos and and aliens and extraterrestrials Uh, 50 i think they did multiple places but one of them was hudson valley and they put tons of money into this uh, investigation not i don't think they ever released what they've done or what happened but that was the 50s 80s was that guy and his book communion okay well, like i said the this other book that um was called night siege the hudson valley ufo sightings i do 80s was a good time to write books uh, apparently for <laughs> ufos anyways in yeah. new york um now they claim the hudson valley is probably the most active ufo they say it's the ufo capital of the world yeah and i didn't even know about this even more than skinwalker ranch i guess yeah well skinwalker ranch is more than just ufos this is true or dugway utah apparently we have a lot of ufos too Mm -hmm. um but yeah this is the ufo capital of the world so in on new year's eve march of 1982 is when the first sighting was reported, there was like a security guard that was coming home from work and saw this V-shaped thing in the sky. He said it was flashing like red, green, and yellow lights. And then they went away and then like came back. And um, that was just like the first sighting. So there are several other sightings during this course. And they, they say close to 5,000 people from 83 to 86 reported sightings yeah of either a v-shaped uh craft that was about the length of three football fields was the biggest one that was reported a lot of them were reported to be about the length of a football field which is still pretty huge um if they weren't the v-shaped they were circular in shape but they all had the flashing lights so there was another sighting on march 24th 1983 there was a retired police officer who observed a group of strange red, green, and white lights forming a V-shape off to the south, which at first he thought was an aircraft in trouble. And then the UFO moves slowly, and a humming sound can be heard in the distance. So that humming gonna, sound is going to be pretty a, prevalent. You can see a common theme with uh, some of these reports. Mm-hmm. There was also a gentleman named Ed Burns, who was a computer engineer at IBM. He was driving home on the Teutonic Parkway, and he had a similar sighting. He says, I'm not into astronomy. Astronomy? (laughs) Astronomy? Gastronomy. (laughs) He's not into astronomy. But what he had witnessed that night was not from this planet. Uh, There was another gentleman named Dennis Sant. He was a former local government employee. 
He had a sighting similar in Brewster, New York on March 17th, 1983. He said it was a very large object. The structure of it was very dark, gray, metallic, almost girder type looking. The object seemed to be very silent. The lights were iridescent, bright. They stood out in the sky in three dimensions. Uh, it looked like a city of lights. It just hung in the sky, all brilliant colors. He says, we followed the object around to the backyard, and at that point, a feeling of fright came upon me. Thoughts started to flood my mind. Thoughts of the craft touching ground. Thoughts of an encounter with an alien being. Thoughts of being abducted. All types of fearful thoughts started to enter my mind. Now, there was other eyewitness testimonies uh, that were part of a group sightings, which allegedly continued in the Hudson Valley area for years after. Um... Also in 1983, March 26th, there was a front page story in the Westchester Rockland Daily that ran with the headline, Hundreds Claim to Have Seen UFO. The article got the attention of a group of UFO researchers in the area associated with Heineck, who was one of the writers of the, the book. Um, the group started a hotline and received over 300 calls from people that had seen uh, UFOs on the night of March 24th. One witness cited that the book, Night Siege, as if it were such a thing that a flying city, uh, this was a flying city. If there was such a thing as a flying city, this was a flying city. The object was seen in nearby Yorktown that evening where the police switchboard came became jammed with reports all night long. Uh, the research group estimated that over 5,000 people had seen the object from 1982 through 1986 from the Hudson Valley as far north as Brooksfield, Connecticut. Some accounts noted the UFO moving at fast speeds and being able to disappear, and others speculated there could have been multiple crafts. One of the reports the, the group had received was the UFO was the size of multiple football fields hovering over Indian Point Nuclear Power Plant. Uh, a guard at the plant described it as being the length of three football fields, like I said, um, Another sighting took place at the Croton Falls Reservoir where allegedly the UFO used a red beam to scan the surface. So, so those are just some of the sightings <coughs> that went on. I know uh, a lot of the sightings, you know, the switchboards, the place were all being lit up. Um, of these, like, 5,000 people, I think, like, there was at least a dozen police officers. Like, when people were calling and reporting these sightings, the cops would look outside and be like, yeah, we see it too. Yeah, like, what do you want us to do, shoot it? <laughs> kind of like the the stuff that's going on in New York, or not in New York, uh, Vegas recently, with all the UFO sightings and oh, people yeah. calling in, and the cops are like, yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah I, I saw some weird shit too. <laughs> like, there's videos of this, of, like, the cops showing up to people's houses that people reported yeah, UFOs. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that yet. There's been UFO sightings in Vegas recently that were pretty gnarly. Uh, same kind of situations that we're going to talk about in these stories with alien crafts coming down and landing in people's backyards and shit. But we can talk about that in a little bit. Well, it's interesting about this whole thing with the 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 Hudson flap mm-hmm. is that at some point they actually like sent out airplanes to do to like flying V shapes and stuff like that to try to basically gaslight these people and to say that, that and was tell them like, oh yeah, you're not seeing UFOs, you're seeing these planes in this formation, you're seeing the air, the you know, the airplanes flying. But the problem, the problem I have with that is, you can't. Um, they're not making sounds of airplanes. I'm they're sure. not making sounds of. Well, you see, most of these these reports said 
it was silent mm-hmm. or there was just, just a low, low humming. humming. I, have you ever heard an airplane fly? I'm sure they don't sound much different now than they did in the 80s. I'm sure they're a lot louder. They're, than the- yeah, a lot louder. <laughs> when most of these crafts are silent, a lot of the people that went on record saying that, like, you know, I know what I heard and those planes are not what I heard. Yeah. The other thing is, is like, what planes do you know that can just stop dead over things and just sit there still? Like, right. airplanes don't do that. Yeah. I so, mean, yeah, the government basically, you know, back in the 80s, were trying to gaslight all these Hudson Valley residents. <laughs> like, 5,000 people. Like, no, no, no. It's airplanes. Well, there's actually a lot of people that didn't even come forward and tell their stories. Right. Um, and then this Shock Docs episode that came out, Ben Hansen was one of the uh, hosts. Uh, him and two other people. can't remember who this uh, other female was, but the other guy... He's a member of MUFON. Yes. He's a researcher with MUFON. I can't remember his name. Um, That's not important. Ben Hansen's the only one. Yeah, that's Ben important. Hansen's our buddy. What's up, Ben? Well, you actually, we do know Ben, though. I do. I, that's, I do know That was know one of those ben. celebrities that we actually know when we say we know them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we know everybody, though. Well, mainly because, like, you know, I've actually, we've investigated with Have you? Yeah, a couple times. We've investigated with Ben. Yeah, we hung out with him a couple times. Investigated with him a couple times. So, yeah, he's the important one. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> he's the host of this uh, episode on the doc, uh, Shock Docs. And out of the three of them, they go and talk to a lot of the people in the town that have stories. One of them was this guy named Charlie Carnes, and he's the town supervisor. I don't know what a supervisor of a town does, but he is I have the no town. Idea. Yeah. yeah, I saw, I that, saw title. that. I'm like, town that title, supervisor. Like, really? Now, how do you get that title? <laughs> Anyways, he's not actually a believer. He's heard the stories growing up, but he never really believed any of that. And uh, until one night, when he came home at nine o'clock at night, looking down in the valley below his home, because he lived kind of up on a hill. So on the valley below him, he actually saw this weird craft that was kind of hovering slowly. And just kind of slowly went down to the valley below his property and landed. And, uh, like, he's never experienced anything, never seen anything weird since then. But that was just kind of just a... After hearing all the weird things that happened in town, that was, like, his first and only weird thing that has happened. Um, And then with him, there was another guy who was a resident of the town. And this town they lived in was called Pine Bush. And that's one of the most... Uh, concentrated reports of Hudson Valley's in this town. So what I did find out about Pine Bush, looking through some stuff, they I think it was like for at least the last thirteen years, they have like a big UFO convention every year. Oh really? We yeah. should. That would be kind of cool to go to to hear all these stories. And in in twenty twenty one, Pine Bush uh, UFO and Paranormal Museum opened in New York. Well, I, that's now a, a hot spot on our to do list. Yes, on our to go to our list of places we want to go, but probably won't. Uh, uh, one day, one day, one day. Who knows? Uh, another as soon as resident. We open up a Patreon and people pay us. <laughs> yeah, pay for our trips, people. <laughs> uh, this other uh, resident of the town, uh, Asa Lennon, at dusk, he sees this tube-shaped the uh, uh, flying saucer, I guess. But the tube shape is kind of like two pie tins put together, and there's windows across it. And he sees these. What it says is like stick figures in these windows. Two pythons with uh, windows across it. Yeah, does that like two sound... pythons put together. Does and that like? Does that sound familiar? Yeah, like a flying saucer. Kind of like the one Travis Walton saw. Oh, is that what he talked? Oh shit! If you remember, or like the Travis Walton one of the Benny Barty Hill, there was just uh-huh. a big circular thing with like windows in the middle. Yeah, the windows across it. I know um, Betty Barney Hill saw the men looking at him through They're the right, window. Right, right. So it sounds very similar to yes. what other reports 
So what he says From is decades he earlier. That, uh, so he sees that. That's what he sees at first. And then uh, he comes back out again later on. But this time what he sees is it's more like this wheel kind of thing in the sky. And it's spinning. And as it's spinning, it's emitting this red light. And as it spins, the red light kind of scans down and hits the ground. and just. But it's just kind of woof, woof, woof. And then as it's flying by. So he ends up seeing that two weird things in the in the same night. Um, and then after after they kind of talk to these guys, one of the hosts, the one that works for MUFON, he talks about a story that he has when he actually lived in that same Hudson Valley. And so when he talks, oh yeah, his story is crazy. His story is nuts, and this kind of set off, of course, with some other weird stuff that kind of starts reoccurring in other stories as well. So one night he was laying awake. Uh, about 3 a.m. and started hearing these weird knocks like so it's coming from outside or somewhere out there so he, he ends up looking out the window gets out of bed looks out the window and as soon as he looks out the window this bright light just shoots him right in the face and next thing you know he was just uh, blinded and he was froze and then next thing you know he just wake he he woke up again like he was in bed and he woke up again and now he can't move um, all he could do was use his peripheral vision. He couldn't turn his head or nothing. And he ends up seeing something kind of walking by and breaking the light in his peripheral. So he knows something is there and it's present with him. Then he sees this entity standing over him. And it's kind of got like this wand that he's waving over his face. And there's like a light coming from it. And then all of a sudden, just bang, it's morning time. Like, that's the last thing he remembers, and then all of a sudden it's morning. And, like, when he woke up, he couldn't really breathe, and he had a puddle of blood in his pillow. Yeah. He, he woke up in a puddle of blood. And so he's thinking, this is, like, the worst bloody nose of, of, in the history of mankind. <laughs> so once he gets up, uh, cleans himself up, he doesn't really mention this ever again till about two years later. And after about two years, he finally has a doctor look at it. And because he's having issues in the sinus cavity, like something's wrong. Ever since that beam of light hit him, he hasn't been the same. Yeah. So when he, he gets it looked at by this doctor and the doctor ends up saying, you have this huge thing up in your sinus cavity. So they pull this thing out, which was, he said that this blob was about both of his thumbs put together yeah that was pretty big and he had to pull that out of his sinus cavity like through his nostril and when doing that uh like there he said if this is a no if this was like a polyp this is the hugest polyp i've ever seen yeah. in my life but they don't even know what that was yeah they have no idea I'm, yeah i think it was just like one of the one of the speculations is they were doing some experiments on his nose and they'd like put it up there yeah. To stop the bleeding or something, or possibly a tracker. Yeah, the, so he they thinks can, it was a tracker that they were kind of tracking his, him. His name was Mark D'Antonio. Uh, I can't D'Antonio. D'Antonio. Holy crap. Don't let me read. <laughs> so, yeah, that was his story. And what they removed, he feels like that was kind of like the their way of tracking him was with that thing. Um, well, anyways, they go to this other neighboring town and. In this neighboring town, there's this house who was it's owned by this same family since 1793. And before that, it was a general store. Yeah. But they, this family has owned this property since 1793. 
Well, and then there was an addition that was done in like the 1890s. Yeah, in the 1890s, they added on to the house. I'm sure they just probably had a lot of people living there and family kept growing. Well, this house, <laughs> yeah, like you said, this this house has been in this family yeah. ever since it became a house. And uh, the old lady that lives in there now, she's been having an, or experienced or known about weird events ever since she was little. Uh, she remembers like her grandma talking about seeing a face one time in the window and other things that have happened throughout throughout her life living there. Um, they had pictures. They had pictures? Yeah, they had pictures just of random places in the house where like, it was stuff that they didn't even see in the pictures, like pictures oh. they were showing to other people. And they, they're like, what the heck is that? And in one of the pictures they show in the documentary, if I can find it, I'll post it on the, oh, yeah, that'd the be social good. media. But you can kind of see... Like the head and eyes of an alien, like like looking in through the kitchen window. See, that might I might have missed that in a real quick part of that. That ah, I don't remember seeing that picture. Yeah. Oh shit! I gotta. <laughs> um, but anyways, they talked about this room upstairs, where, uh, there was like a a little three foot creature that they see standing outside this room, and. It's just that room that they experienced that. And then one night, and they said it was just like three feet tall. But anyways, one of the, one night, this, uh, this older lady that lives there, she woke up being carried down that hallway upstairs. Yeah. And after that, like, she just woke up in her bed. Yeah, she was, uh, it was like she was on her back still being carried down the hall. Yeah, she, she could, could see, feel, like, the lights above her. Yeah, the cobwebs. She could feel the, the hands in that on her back. Which is why she has now in the basement, she has her, what she called her emergency, her emergency bed. room. Yeah. Her emergency bed. Her emergency her, bed. Because I think her daughter lives there too. Yeah. So she has like a little like mattress on the floor <laughs> in her daughter's bedroom. <laughs> emergency bed. Um, and then in the cellar, they had some weird stuff in the cellar. The, one time there was a party and there's a door that goes from the, the main room or the main floor down to the cellar and it's closed and it was just shaking violently during this party. And people were telling her, open it, open it. She's like, no, I am, nope, 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 not going to open that. Um, And then another weird situation that happened down in the cellar. uh, Her husband was down there working on stuff. And while he was down there, he heard an audible woman's voice say, portal. She just said the word portal. And then a man's voice that said, you've been chosen by the 40. Back in the hole we go. Back in the hole we go. And then... uh, Right after they talk about that story in the cellar, they all kind of, the people that were down there and the host, they kind of start feeling physical touch. Like they start getting touched and getting freaked out. And then a door that's down there just kind of opens up on its own. Yeah, after they came back upstairs, yeah, they, they shut the door. They shut and latched the door to the the cellar. But then there was like a door that went from like the living room to the kitchen that just opened on its own. Yeah. That was pretty nice. So it seems like, and they were talking about this too, this house kind of had layers where it's like paranormal, extraterrestrial, or is it both? And there's just like this thin, different dimension that they're able to tap into and kind of come in and out of. Uh, Then they started talking about portals and how this this portal, the word portal was used. And then they were throwing this fun fact that in 2012, scientists discovered a portal between the earth and the sun. Yep. Crazy. So if you want to travel to the sun. Yeah, if you want to go to the sun, there's, there's, a, a, there's portal. a portal for that. <laughs> um, well, then they end up talking to the town historian. His name was Brian Bowden. 
and he believes that the the extraterrestrials are using some kind of portals and he kind of talked about how one night when he was camping him and a buddy they were uh they were hearing wood knocks and then rock knocks so and then they heard whooping sounds so kind of like uh bigfoot right so it sounded like they were having a bigfoot encounter only if they heard squad yeah but they heard whooping so maybe that's one of your distant cousins <laughs> <laughs> so anyways um but what they were hearing when that was happening was that he sounded like whatever was walking and making this noise kind of stopped in one area and then started again over somewhere else like it had gone through some kind of a portal and was able to just transport to the other side interesting so that's what kind of made him go on this whole tangent about that um then later that night, he saw a UFO in the sky, and it went from right to left, and then it sh- uh, went right at them, and it hovered above them and shot a beam of light on them. Now keep in mind, he said this was about 20 feet above the trees. So. Yeah, about 20 feet above the trees. And the trees don't look like they're that big in the documentary, so and it when couldn't they, have been more than like 50, 60 feet above them. And when they were experiencing seeing this, uh, seeing this thing kind of moving, they had asked for a time check from one of them asking the other, hey, time check. Yeah. He said about 9.15. So it was about 9.15 p.m. Um, well, after that, they shot that beam of light at them. It was gone. They ended up walking back to camp. They asked, uh, once they got back, they did another, hey, time check. At this time, now it was like 10 to 12. And they just realized they just lost two hours, over two hours. It's yeah. gone. And they don't both don't remember any time of them being knocked out or anything changing that they just kind of experienced that. They're like, whoa, that was weird. And then they went back to camp. So... To them, everything just kind of stayed fluid. But when they did that time check, no, over two hours is gone. Yeah. So that's kind of crazy. Um, then when they woke up that next morning, they kind of realized that they were both kind of beat up. Like something shit. They felt like they were be- they're all bruised up. They well, got I think up. The, this, uh, what's his name, Brett? Uh, Brian. Brian. So Brian actually woke up the next morning and his son asked him what happened. He's, yeah. like, he's like, what are you talking about? And his chest was bruised. It was blue and black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was all bruised up looking like he just got beat up. And then uh, also it thought he had like, uh, I think, he's, was this the one that had? No, no, this is a different guy. So the other guy had the the, the fat lip. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that we'll get to later. But he ends up. Uh, he, after he had some he, phlegm in his Yes, his, his tongue was blue colored and then he had blue phlegm. And that was just like, what? So that wasn't, you know, that was really strange. He didn't eat anything blue. And even if he did, you wouldn't wake up with still having your mouth all blue. And Well, that's what you think. <laughs> um, Smurf penis is delicious. Superman ice cream. Superman ice cream. <laughs> um, no, like, I guess, yeah, he coughed up this blue phlegm. And, and when they when he told this to the Ben and the group, mm-hmm. they, they were all like, this is the first time I've ever heard of blue phlegm. But then they hear more later. Yes. Craziness. Um, well, then they talked to another guy. His name is Bruce Balbach, and he owns the Hudson Valley Farm. And that's in the town of Walden, also in the Hudson Valley. And uh, one night, he was about to watch TV, and his TV was kind of giving off this weird frequency and tone. And it was, it was weird. never happened before. He went to pick up the phone, and the phone was also making this weird noise. Oh, well, yeah. he ends up. He, he was sitting down. Was it eight o'clock at night? Because yeah, there was a he, program a that he really wanted show. to watch. Yeah, he he knew what time he was going to watch it was this. Eight o'clock. Yep, eight o'clock. 
So he's set on this show. He's ready to watch it. So that's why he turns on his TV, and it's, so he's upset because it's doing this weird shit. Gets his phone because he's going to call somebody to complain, I'm sure. And when it's he does that, he, his phone's also noise. doing the same thing. Well, he goes back to the TV, and it stops. It's not doing it no more. Well, now he realizes 40 minutes has passed, and the show he was going to watch is now over. Yeah. I bet you, one, he's upset. Two, he's probably a little scared. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Because I'd be pretty pissed and also a little scared. Yeah, well, it seems like a matter of seconds for him because he just walks to the phone and back and his show's over and it's now almost 9 o'clock. Yeah, and so, yeah, he so missed the show. he's almost out and like almost a complete hour. Yeah, which is kind of weird because uh, also everything was moving fluidly. He didn't have any kind of break in between or loss of memory. Just all of a sudden, 40 minutes just disappeared. Like, what? Yep. Uh, then he found out his neighbor had a similar event with that weird tone and frequency. But that neighbor also saw a gray. And then, like, once he saw that gray, he he packed up and moved out real, real quick. Yeah, it took his wife, his three young kids. They packed up and, and they, bounced. they pieced out. And then another time he saw a UFO land in the field behind his house. And, uh, and that's when he tried to recreate the uh that tone like he he heard this tone coming from the ufo and it was that humming sound and uh he ends up helping ben try to recreate this tone because they try to do some experiments with that later well this is the same guy that walked him across the street to where the other neighbor had the saw the gray right yeah and there was um at the time when when the ufo went to the guy's backyard it actually burned like a circle in the the ground oh yeah so yeah they but i don't think they were able to see anything like that as long no but i think they i think they did like set up and try to investigate that's the first night that they think they um got out the so he they got out the, the ipad or whatever and they had this thing that could or this app that could recreate tones yes and that's that's where he walked him over to was that area where the Grass was burned. Right. So and they conducted an investigation there that 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 night. And that night when they played Keep that, mind, this tone, was on a Tuesday night. This was a Tuesday night. So on that Tuesday night when they did this, and they recreated that tone, um, they did see something in the sky come down into the tree line, drop from the sky, and come down in the tree line. Well, before that, there was actually visible through the tree line. You could see a, a light blinking. And then you see the other light come down. Almost, almost like a signal, almost a signal that yeah. thing. It's safe to land. So you just you see this one light that's like slowly blinking on and off, and then you see another light come down almost right to where that first light is blinking. Mm-hmm. And so... On a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. Turning up. On. So they, uh, when they played that tone, I was telling you about this tone. Because if you remember in past episodes, I talked about this UFO that I had seen. I just and heard a demon in my headset. <laughs> you heard the word demon? No. Oh. The connection was <laughs> It sounded like a demon screaming in my oh, ear. I'm sure it was. Way to re- derail the show, Beaker. So, anyways, the tone. I had, when they recreated this tone, I was telling you, that is almost identical to what I heard, except there was just this, they had this weird synthesized tone to it that kind of vibrates a little bit. And... If they eliminated that, it was like spot on what I heard. But they recreate that. They end up seeing that. And um, 
that was a that was a pretty cool experiment. That was a pretty cool little bit of evidence that they caught, and then we'll elaborate on that more a little bit later. They do that. <clears throat> they do that a few more times. Yeah. Um, and then there's another guy they talked to. His name is Al Santoriga. And one night at a lake, him and a buddy saw a strobing light in the sky. It was moving, and then it stops, and it, then the same thing. It shoots straight at them, and then that was it. The next day, they woke up. They realized that they were kind of beat up, that they had, you know, one guy was all beat up, like, felt like he was punched, like, I think he had a black eye. And, I think mean, this uh, is the guy that had the fat lip. Yes. He ends up having a fat lip, but feels like there's something implanted in there. But he, he never looked into he it. He never so really he, looked into that. He never figured out what it was. Uh, but then he talks to his friend that morning after they're feeling all beat up. And his friend says that he's spitting up uh, that he's spitting up blue. Interesting. And he's also spitting up blue. So uh, then his friend says, oh, oh, then another night he sees a bright light in his window. And then two tall grays carrying him, taking about to take him through the window. And right before that, he hears his daughter scream. And he kind of wakes up, but he's not being carried anymore. He's in his bed. But he hears his daughter screaming. Everybody hears his daughter screaming. Everybody's now jumping up and getting out of bed and seeing what's happening. His daughter is holding her brother, which is his son, his leg onto the bed and screaming like, no, you can't take him. You can't take him. Uh, because what was happening was his son was also have experiencing the same thing. And his daughter saw that. Yep, and when she did that, uh, when that all happened, because uh, they were carrying him to this light, there was a light coming from that same, from the window outside, and that's where they were taking him to. And somehow the daughter woke up as well, saw that happening. I think when him. he was being carried, uh, he saw the light outside of his window. Yeah, and then when he woke up, it was gone. Yes, it was gone. And then, so it had moved over. Yeah, to the but also you don't know because he was sleeping during this. Did he experience, was there also lost time during, did he experience lost time? It's very possible. And what he, was he already back? Like, well, yeah, maybe they returned carried, him when they're like, they okay. already returned him and now they moved on to a son. Yep. And so, and so he was already, whatever they did to him was already done. And now they're working, they're just working through the family. Crazy. And they're just like taking, seems like they're just you taking know, turns. You think it would be efficient if they just took him all at once. They have all the time in the world. You the know? grays, the, what are they doing? <laughs> um, but this guy talked about he's had these experiences ever since he was eight years old. So that's why they think like they are watching over, like they're doing experiments and watching over the same people throughout their life. Well, that's another thing you'll find in common with a lot of these people that were interviewed is they've all been experiencing it since early age. I think the next guy has started when he was five. Who, Jimbo? Yep. Well, before they talk to Jimbo, they that's when they kind of start correlating some things that there's this thing with the blood type with genetics they think this genetics is kind of where they're leaning towards and what it is that they are what it is that they're looking at us for what it is that they are doing these experiments and it's mainly just based off our genetics is what they're thinking so and with a blood type apparently there's a really rare blood type that's rh negative i've never heard of this before and it's only 15 percent of the world's population has this yes and how many of these people that they uh, so have I don't know about this? I don't know the exact number of people that they tested have, have reported uh, abductions, but sixty percent of people that have reported being abducted that they submitted blood samples that have submitted blood samples are all Rh negative. So so there's really rare fifteen percent like 
I mean, out of 100 people, maybe 15 people are going to have this blood type. One over 60% of these people that have reported seeing uh, UFOs or being abducted, 60% have this very rare blood type, which I think is very unusual. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, I've never heard of this blood type before. So, yeah, super rare stuff. I'm sure they there's a secret to longevity is in their blood. So there are some UFO experts that think that uh, this this blood type could possibly have been put there by aliens. It could be an alien DNA, and that's why they're tracking these people. Right. Because that, I don't know. That's I've, one of the theories. I mean, there are a lot of theories about alien hybrid people on the planet, and maybe that's... That's these people, or maybe. maybe they're just they they made this blood as an experiment just to see what happens if certain things. You know, who knows? Only way to find out is to get abducted. So, well, you have to get a blood test and see if you're H negative. <laughs> I'm not. I already know I'm not. <laughs> but let's talk about Jimbo here. This old man started having visitations by weird, dark, dark, ominous creatures that would take him out of his room and take him into a dark place. He'd be scared out of his mind. And he was just a little kid having these these visitations and getting dragged out of his room. And we, he would tell his parents about this. His parents didn't believe him. They didn't understand that this could even be a possibility. So they took him to this doctor, and the doctor just would tell him he's having nightmares. And uh, so, you know, he wasn't getting the treatment he needed or the help he needed or well, the guidance he needed. Do you know why he told him he was having nightmares? Why? His parents were feeding him after 5 p.m. Oh, no. The doctor told him to stop feeding him after 5 right. p.m. Because that's the what food is going to give what him he, nightmares. That's what he was saying. He's, yeah. You're feeding him after 5 p.m. That's why he's having nightmares. Yeah. So that so, was the doctor's treatment. <laughs> stop feeding like him after he's a 5 gremlin. p.m. You have a gremlin. If you feed him, he's going to have weird shit. But um, he also was big into the uh, DNA thing, thinking that it has to do with DNA and that they are constantly tracking him throughout his life because they're just yeah something to do with with his dna and keeping up on him and then one of the last people they spoke to her name was Teresa costa she's been experiencing things since the 80s as well and she actually experienced something a week prior to them talking to her which she said on a tuesday night saw this spacecraft coming in down from the sky into the woods yeah they asked her what's the most recent event that's happened to you and she's like the most recent recent last recent? tuesday it's like tuesday <laughs> that's why i kept saying earlier like this happened on tuesday <laughs> yes so she actually saw that same spacecraft coming down from the sky that they actually captured on camera which was pretty damn cool because you know stars aligned everybody saw it together so real quick i'm, I'm gonna interrupt the flow here rh is on on your blood it's basically you there's a particular protein that is on the surface of your red blood cells and so there's a protein on your blood cells yeah so that is what so rh factors factor it. is a type of protein on the outside or the surface of your red blood cells you inherit the protein which means you get your rh factor from your biological parents if you have the protein you're rh positive if you don't you're rh negative and it does this does confirm that the majority of people about 85 percent are rh positive so to have 60% of, of these people that have had experiences that are RH negative is, is significant. Very rare. That is pretty cool. 
All right. Sorry. Back so, to Teresa. Teresa. Um, so she I also... I think her story is probably the scariest out of all the stories. Hers like, is pretty I would nuts. not want to have this happen to me. Um, so she also talked about when she saw that thing coming out of the sky, something compelled her to stop her car and turn it off. She looked out the window and actually could hear the humming. So she heard that humming and then saw the craft and saw it come down from the sky. Um, then one time she ended up, she talked about this one scary event that was pretty nuts that she ended up seeing seven grays in her bedroom and they were kind of standing over her. Uh, she was kind of laid out kind of like in a, t- on a, on a operating table, yep. their arms open and just kind of sprawled out on the table. She kind of looks, she looks down and well, well she hears a woman's voice say, everything's going to be okay, Teresa, we're placing the crystals. Yeah. And then she looks down and notices that she's opened up. Like she sees organs, bones. She sees her heart, her lungs, liver, all this stuff. She sees all her insides. Um, and then she wakes up hitting her bed and then falling onto the floor. Yep. Like, like she just got dropped on her bed. Like we're done with you. Yeah. Like hurry. She- <laughs> that was the alien version of a mic drop. Yeah. Dropped her on her bed. She woke up hitting her bed and then hitting the floor. She looks down and notices because she still remembers that experience. Whatever yes. she just remembered, she can still, she, that's still flowing through her brain. She looks down and her shirt is ripped where they were cutting her open. Yes. And she's just like, what? Um, and so and now ever she since has then, the power. she has the power to feel power. I have the power. So ever since then, she can go out on her property and feel power. She says she feels power. I'm thinking it's more of an energy thing. And there is said to be in this area a whole lot of different minerals and, and crystals in the grounds there. And when she goes into certain areas... She says that she can feel the power in those areas. And my guess is I wonder if she's picking up on energy crystals or portals in the area. Probably portals. Yeah. I'm my that's my guess is portals. And I'm wondering if these greys or these extraterrestrials or if it's ghosts. Oh, but are they like I wonder if ghosts and extraterrestrials can use the same portals. Maybe. I, uh, or if there's different dimensions, different portals. I don't know, but we didn't talk about the REM pods. Yes, I was saving that because... Okay. Um, so, the experiments. They were doing experiments, and I talked about uh, some of the things with the... One of the experiments that they did was they made that tone, and they played that tone, experiencing that thing fall from the sky. And then they did that a couple more times, but then they incorporated REM pods. And they're out in the woods... They have four REM pods. These REM pods go off based off of, you know, something with gives off energy comes up and gets right next to the basically antenna. static electricity. Static electricity, which you're not going to get a whole lot of out in the woods. No, because there's no electricity out there. And if you're human or animal, you have to be right up next to it, grabbing it, touching it in order for that to go off. And they have cameras on it. They have thermal cameras on it. Well, they set up a perimeter, so there's actually like four REM pods placed around them. And they're spaced away from each other. And after they play that tone, um, weird stuff starts happening. Yeah, like, like all the, I don't think all four of them ever went off at the same time, but you'd have at least two going off at the same time. Yeah. And, they're and there would be like the ones from the opposite corners. Yeah. And you're, 
they you know as it's going off and they're looking at it they're got the cameras on them you can see for yourself with the thermal and everything else there's nothing near those and i'm just kind of wondering if like a tree could be blowing and hitting that but no there wasn't there was nothing yeah they we went back around it and they literally have them out in the middle of an open field so there's nothing like that could possibly come near these things unless like Unless there was an animal, but you would have heard it rustling because there were leaves on the ground. But they would also the show up that, on the thermal. Yeah, they would show up on the thermal. So these all these REM pods kept going off. And it was like every night they did these experiments with the REM pods. It was the the night they actually did it at Teresa's. It was almost like uh, something was actually talking to them and responding. They're like, can you light it up if the answer is yes? And they started asking questions. Mm-hmm. And it would light up. And then they got to the point where eventually it just stopped doing anything at all. Yeah, after a while, it just yeah kind of turned off, and they weren't getting any more interaction. But at one point, it did seem as though something was responding intelligently to her questions mm-hmm. via the REM pod. Yeah, this was a really cool, really cool thing that I never knew about. I never knew. I, for some reason, I always thought that when it came to UFOs, like the West Coast had the majority of the weird shit happening, but. Little did I know the UFO capital of the world was right there in New York City. Or not New York City, New York State. New York State. Hudson Valley. Yeah, Hudson. Um, what did you think about after everything? You- um, I got bored. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I, I don't know. I still... T- you have At a this hard point, time with the UFO I, I still have a hard... I, I do. I, I mean, I've admitted in the past that I do believe in the Nordics. Yeah. I think that's very feasible. It's aliens that look like people with blonde hair, blue eyes. Um, I've even accused somebody I know of being a Nordic just because of the way they act. I mean, they have blonde hair and blue eyes. I'm like, are you sure you're not a Nordic? Um, At this point, like I know several years ago, there's a dude that came out and said, yeah, the government has been conducting experiments. Like we have UFOs. They're real. Bob Lazar um, talked about all that. And then just over a month ago, or not even a month ago at this point, at the end of July, like July 21st, I think it was. The government came out. There was it. three former government employees that came out, and one of them was the same guy from a couple years ago that are like, yeah, we did this stuff. Like, we are trying to reverse engineer their technology. Um, one of the guys was asked, I believe it was in this conference, and this is like an hour and a half conference. Um, I think you can actually find the whole yeah, thing on, you can. on Spotify or YouTube. Yeah, YouTube has it all. Um, but they asked if there was like a inhuman craft that was found, and he said yes. And um, he's like, were they biological people or biological inside? And they're like, yeah, there was biological beings inside. And they asked him if they were human. And he says, no, they were not human. And then, so it, it just, well, here's the crazy I, part: it point, did not phase anybody. No, the thing is, like, they they came out years and, uh, was it five, six, seven years ago, whenever it was, they came out and they're like, yeah, the UFOs are real. Like, we have UFOs, like, Area 51's a real thing. That's why that one dude on Facebook created the event where they were going to storm Area 51. Um, There's just, there's too much to deny the possibility of aliens but at the same time i'm still skeptical like i think it's fascinating but at the same time it's like it's i i get it like when we do paranormal investigations i 100 believe in ghosts 
right? Mm-hmm. Or we wouldn't be doing the investigations. I would have just like, this is a waste of time. <laughs> I have met people that are so skeptical that I've shown them evidence that I've collected. And they still go through and say, try to come up with the rational explanations or saying that it's something that I've created or to try to convince people that it's, it's paranormal. And that's not something I would ever do. I don't believe in doing that. I think anyone that fakes evidence is should be taken out back and beaten. <laughs> um, but it's I, I get it. Like there are those those healthy skeptics that are just like unless I see it for myself, it's hard for me to believe. Right. Right. I've seen ghosts. Right. You have seen ghosts. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for us to believe in something that we have physically seen. Yep. Like I'm not just saying I've I've seen stuff happen on a video camera. I have physically seen at least three spirits. Like not in my mind's eye, like with my regular eyes, I've seen three spirits in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I can say without any uncertainty that ghosts are real, but I've never experienced anything as far as like UFOs or aliens. Like I always made the joke. I do believe in UFOs because UFO is simply an unidentified flying object. I think they heard me say that on an episode, so they changed it to UAP. <laughs> yeah, it's because um, of you. It's because of me. But it's it's one of those things where, like, do I want to have an experience? Yeah, I think it would be cool. I don't want to be abducted. I'll just say that right out. I Maybe seeing a flying craft that I can explain. Like, I've got uh, one of the drivers that comes to my work has shown me videos of all the time down in Delta, Utah, of all sorts of crazy aircraft that he can't explain. And I've, I've tried to rationalize it myself. Um, I mean, there's stuff happening pretty much everywhere. Just watch paranormal caught on uh, camera. Uh, there's so many different like UFO sightings and just weird things going on. So there's, there's too much out there to say that it a hundred percent doesn't exist. It's not real. I do believe that there is the possibility but until I have that experience myself, I'm still going to remain a healthy skeptic, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. You, I, on the other hand. I've had experiences, and I've also, I believe in the possibility of that just because, I mean, there's billions of planets, billions of stars that have their own planets around them that a world, you know, definitely have a planet that's the perfect distance from it to create life. So that's the only reason why we're existence is because we're that perfect distance from our sun. So, I just I just think that people are so uninteresting that a higher intelligence <laughs> is wasting their time observing us. No, imagine <laughs> imagine a, what we would do when we find new species. We take them. They from, did they did make that cons- uh, comparison about comparing us to uh, what we do with lab rats. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I would expect them to find this. You know, this planet with these poor peasant-looking creatures, and they're like, oh, let's just observe them for a while and see what they do. Actually, let's take some of them and do some tests, put some weird shit in them. Let's probe them a little bit. Let's see how much they can take. (laughs) And let's just drop them on their bed real quick. (laughs) Or like Travis Walton's case, let's just leave him naked and abandoned. (laughs) Well, and he was gone for a week. Yeah, let's let's take him for a week. Well, that's the other thing, too, is I wonder if it's like... These are different species from different planets that are doing different experiments. Quite possibly. Craziness. There's but, uh, so much we don't know. Oh, yeah. But there's just, there's more to this story, like you said, in the 80s. There's, uh, there's books that were getting put out there about these people's experiences. A whole lot of weird shit in the Hudson Valley. If you want to see more about the Hudson Valley, 
This was actually featured on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries in 1992. Oh, shit. Uh, it also, that, that episode led a group of pilots to attempt, uh, they were trying to claim the responsibility of the, you know how they had the pilots come out and they were trying to. Oh, make those V-shapes. They were trying to make the V-shapes and convince people that they were just seeing airplanes. Uh-huh. Well, this group was like, yeah, we're the ones that did it, but they could never recreate that V-formation. That what people were seeing? Uh, it also appeared on an episode of Ancient Aliens. Um, it was on the Shock Doc that we just talked about as well, and there's several books about it. Um, one person did go on to say that now that the U.S. government can no longer deny the existence of UFOs, eyewitnesses feel emboldened to share their stories. The residents of Pine Bush in the heart of Hudson Valley, New York, can no longer take the undeniable. They are fed up with it. Aliens are a nuisance. Let's face it, especially when you got an alien highway in your basement. Mm-hmm. So you can watch, yeah, Unsolved Mysteries. I do believe that is on Amazon Prime if you have that. And then, Netflix as well. Uh, or no, no, the, the old ones. The, the old ones. ones. Okay, yeah. is, Netflix is a whole new one. And yeah. there is actually some alien abduction stories, I believe, on that new one. Um yeah, and Aliens did an episode on it as well. Oh, nice. Well. So, uh, if you have been abducted by aliens and want to share your story with us, you can do that at evp.pod at gmail.com. Um, or if you just have any stories that you'd like to have a share on the air, email us there. Or you can check out our social medias at evp.pod at Instagram and Facebook, where DVO is hard at work running the social media and putting up some reaction videos and, and cutting clips cutting clips <laughs> i don't know what that means He's of clips. our of the youtube oh yeah clips of the youtube um but if you made it this far you've already listened to the episode uh Might but also watch also, it on youtube too watch it on youtube <laughs> apparently we make faces uh go check out our affiliate link ghostop.com buy some ghost hunting gear come investigate with us september 30th and october 20 benson grist benson grist um there's some stuff I was looking at. I still, I mention every time the tracer lights I want to get. There's the Faraday wallet, I think, the ANSI mini. Um, we have the this, Faraday wallet now. We do have the wallet? Yeah, we do have the wallet. Oh, I don't want that anymore. Yeah, though. stop talking about it. We got it. I want the tracer lights. <laughs> uh, I did put myself on the waiting list for the Ovulus 5. Good. I'm glad you did that. I've been wanting one of those for a long time. Hell yeah. So yeah, go buy stuff. And do stuff with us. Yes. Go see don't play that. Peace out, butterflies. Thank <laughs> you.